Seamus, The Case of the Thieves and Brigands, Part 2, Taking the Money, is based on the book The Great Taxi Cab Robbery by James H. Collins. The idea was to have the ocean sounds lull us into sleep and soothe us into wakefulness. At least that's what Abby kept telling me. James, police. I'm not soothed. Let me get some clothes on. I'll be right there. In front of me were two men. One was in his late 30s, early 40s. I recognized him, J.D. Montalbo. He had changed his uniform to plain clothes. Must have made detective somehow. I could tell he had warm, fuzzy memories of our time together on the force. He was trying to do that alpha stare down. I glanced away and looked at the other guy. I didn't recognize him. He was flashing his badge. Mr. James. Uh Uh-huh. My name is Wes Bennett, and I think you know J.D. Montalbo. We're just following up on that carjacking you stumbled on yesterday. We have a few questions we'd like to ask you. Shouldn't take too long. Is this a bad time? I glanced at Montalbo and stepped back from the door. Montalbo stepped across the threshold first and eyed the place. Thanks. Sure, have a seat. Want some coffee? No. Thank you. Just finished off a cup. Nice place you have here, James. What do you want to know? Montalbo walked into the kitchen. Really nice place. Look, you woke me up. I ain't a real estate agent, and this isn't an open house. Get to the point. Bennett glanced over at Montalbo, and Montalbo came back and stood near the door. Sure. Why were you in that alley yesterday? I was scouting out possible locations for an office. There were a couple empty storefronts there. I ducked into the alley to check for parking. Not really a lot there. Not a great part of town for an office. Where's your office now? Don't have one. This is a big enough place for a home office. Trying to keep my work and home life separated. Is that so? Are we done? We may have a few more questions later. We'll be in contact. The Bobsy twins showed themselves out. I was trying to decide which one was Flossie and which one was Freddy. I fell back into bed thinking I could give the morning a reboot. My phone rang. I thought about ignoring it. This is James. Mr. James? We met yesterday morning at Joey's Diner. Mrs. Smith? Look, last night I thought I would follow Kevin myself. Oh, man, here we go. You need to be careful. He didn't see me. I was careful. I've thought about it and decided I want to move forward with an investigation. Are you still interested? I have the money you asked for. Can we meet again? I checked the time. Joey's in 30 minutes work for you? I rolled out of bed for the second time. Mrs. Smith was late. I didn't mind much. Took the usual booth and ordered the special. If she didn't show, at least I got a helping of grease with the gravy. Doris was talking up the regulars at the counter. Mrs. Smith was one of those clients who tried to help and usually got themselves hurt or worse. It always put me in a bad spot. I was rethinking taking the case. Her being late didn't put anything on Mrs. Smith's reasons to take this case column. The eggs arrived and still no client. I started shoveling the food in. Nothing quite like cold grease. 
I smelled the perfume before I saw her. Her hair still pulled back in a ponytail and wearing pink framed sunglasses. Her short pink t-shirt stretched tight across her chest. My eyes followed the gray and black leggings went all the way up. When we first met, it was the girl next door look. Today, she was doing the sexy yoga coach. For all I knew, she might be a yoga coach. She was carrying a gray, pink clutch purse. Mr. James? I wiped off my mouth and slid out of the booth and stood motioning for her to sit down. She scooted in and looked at my plate. You want some coffee or something? Coffee would be nice. Don't let me disturb your breakfast. I know that I'm late. I was just about finished anyway. Probably didn't need that last bite of biscuit and gravy. I shoved my plate to the table's edge and held up two fingers for the waitress making the rounds. I couldn't get away this morning. I didn't think Kevin would ever leave. He was fiddling with something at the computer. Probably another one of those stupid games he plays. I finally told him that I needed to pick up a few things for dinner and left. You're here now. What do you want to talk about? Well, I decided that I need to know more before I hired you. I thought that I may not have to hire you at all if I could find out the truth for myself. She was not endearing herself to me. Did you find out he was cheating? Maybe. Her face didn't look so cute to me anymore. If you're going to follow him yourself, you don't need me. Paying me would be wasting your money. Go to the grocery store and get what you need for dinner. Her mouth dropped open. But I have your money. She dug through her clutch and pulled out an envelope and waved it in the air before slapping it on the table. I looked down at it and signaled for the waitress and pulled out my wallet. Are you leaving? I need you to follow Kevin. Doesn't look like it. But you said that... We don't have a signed contract. I haven't taken this job. I don't take jobs where the client tries to do my job. It's too dangerous. So, lady, yes, I'm leaving. Nice meeting you. Good luck with Kevin. I'll double the money. Wait, don't leave. The blue naugahyde squeaked as I leaned back in the booth. I held her gaze. She shifted, growing stiffer. I'm sorry, Mr. James. I won't follow Kevin again. Please, help me. The waitress walked over with a check. Mrs. Smith grabbed it and pulled out her card. I was able to catch the name, Adriana Fisher. I waited for the waitress to return with the receipt. You said that I would owe for the expenses as well. You agree to $70 an hour plus expenses? Yes. This is how it's going to go. You will not interfere, help, prod, or come up with a plan. Once we sign the contract, you will not have any part in it at all. If you for any reason interfere in my investigation, I'm done. I keep your money and I walk away. If you stay out of it, I will bring you my results. You pay me any extra that's owed and I walk away. Do you understand? She nodded. I didn't mean... You thought you could do it on your own. And maybe you can. Maybe you'll find out what he's doing and save yourself a few bucks. It's up to you. I waited while her face shifted with her thoughts. She pushed the envelope with the money towards me. I agree to your terms. I pulled out a contract, made the change from $35 to $70 an hour. After she initialed the change and signed it, I took the envelope. I keyed my phone to record and laid it on the table between us. She frowned and shifted uncomfortably before leaning in closer to the phone. So your husband's name is Kevin Fisher. How do you know? Isn't it? Aren't you Mrs. Adriana Fisher? I suppose I am. 
I got the background information on Kevin, Adriana, and a list of places Kevin frequented. Going through this routine was relaxing for nervous clients. I didn't really need it. Tell me what you found last night. Well, I followed him to the landing zone, and he walked right up to some woman and kissed her on the cheek. What kind of a kiss? Was it friendly? Was it romantic? How did she respond? I couldn't tell from where I was. She sat down at the table Kevin was at. I took a picture. Can I see the picture? She pulled out her phone and scrolled a few seconds before holding it up and showing me. That's Kevin in the shirt with the green stripes. I looked at the picture. This is the woman? Yes. The woman wasn't sitting anywhere next to Kevin. I'm guessing it was a nice-to-see-you kiss. Do you know who the other people are at the table? I guess they were friends of Kevin. Can you send me the pictures you took last night? Sure. Do you think he's cheating? Too early to tell. You'll get my report. I needed to finish off the Fisher case as soon as I could. Miss Fisher was a helpful type. It was still too early to go to the landing zone. I had some time to kill. I headed to the hospital to check on Wings. The charge nurse told me that Wings was still out and that I might catch Dr. Ward, who was still on the floor making his rounds. She pointed him out. Excuse me, doctor. I'm a friend of George Bailey. I was wondering if you could tell me how he's doing. Oh, he was one of the men that were in the carjacking. He was a homeless man. That's right. Uh, doesn't appear to have any family. You say you're his friend? Uh-huh. Well, since he doesn't have anyone else, I can tell you, he knew how to protect himself. He was curled in a ball when he was attacked. They busted some ribs, took some nasty blows to the head, and we're keeping him medically induced coma for now. It couldn't have been a lot worse. By curling up, he probably saved his life. It was a good thing you found him when you did. Is he going to be okay? Yeah, it's too early to tell you, but I think he'll pull through all right. One of the other men didn't fare so well as Mr. Bailey did. Yeah, they beat the passenger pretty bad. The doctor didn't say anything, his lip tightened. Well, I have to continue my rounds. Take care. Conversation was over. I looked in on Wings. The monitors were making clicking noises. He had an IV in his arm and was sporting this season's most fashionable bandages. I went back to the nurse's desk. Two other men came in with George Bailey. I was the man who found them in the alley. I was just wondering how they were doing. Oh, the carjacking. The passenger, Mr. Pierce, had surgery and is still unconscious. The driver, Mr. Thomas, is okay and will probably go home this afternoon. He's a lucky man. The other two men were badly injured. Do you know what room the driver is in? I'd like to stop by and say hello. She pointed to a room a few doors down from Wings. I knocked on the door. The driver was sitting in a chair eating his lunch. My name is Hunter James. I'm the guy that found you. I just thought I would stop by. Sure, sure. I want to thank you for saving me. He stood up, walked over, shook my hand. Both eyes were black, and there was a cut on his cheek. For a little bit there, I was sure we would all be killed. Just what did happen? It happened real fast. I was taking this guy to the bank. He was a repeat business customer. I was driving along like usual and got to Park Street, a couple of blocks from the mini mall, and this old woman, using a walker, steps out in front of me. So I slows down a bit. While I'm nearly stopped, a guy jumps in the back seat and starts beating my passenger. Another guy jumps in beside me, sticks a gun in my ribs, and tells me to drive. He's given me directions to that alley behind the mall. There was a dark blue sedan parked there. One of the guys sees this bum by the dumpsters. He jumps out and starts hitting him. After he gets done with the bum, he pulls me out of the car and hits me. 
I don't remember anything else. Thank you for listening to Seamus. If you liked this episode of Seamus, please leave a review and tell your friends. Seamus, The Case of the Thieves and Brigands Part 2, Taking the Money, is based on the book The Great Taxi Cab Robbery by James H. Collins. Hunter James was played by Tom Hinton. Wes Bennett, a police detective, was played by Patrick Brancato. J.D. Montalvo, a police detective, was played by Thomas Thompson. Mrs. Fisher, the nervous wife, was played by Paige Scaler. Dr. Ward, a hospital doctor, was played by Peter Ainsworth. The nurse was played by Rebecca Beck. Abel Thomas, the Uber driver, was played by Chris Hall. I'm Leslie Woodroff. This episode of Seamus was written by Max Reese and directed by Tom Hinton. Seamus is a New Meadows media production. All rights reserved. <laughs>